Wow, you know, I... <laughs> Hello everybody and welcome to the Sam's Report. I've already screwed things up. I was making some tweaks on the back ends and whatnot and then the little animation that does the, the name and all that stuff uh, didn't work. So, go figure. Why Why didn't that work? Who knows? Who knows? Anyways, and for fortunately, uh, unfortunately, whatever you want to call it, fortunately that's not the valuable bit of the show, at least I hope not. Um, so here we go. It is the, basically the end of the month. Um, I wasn't podcasting last week. It was actually somewhat unintentional. I've been traveling for the past, well, three weeks. I went to New York, then I went to Build, uh, and then I went down to New Orleans. And I got back on Friday afternoon, uh, like 2.30. I was like, you know what, let's just do a podcast. And I started to write things, and I literally just fell asleep on the couch. And I took that as a sign and said, you know what, I need, uh, I need to take a little bit of a rest. And so I, I just didn't do it. So here we are. Took a little week off. I'm actually going on vacation next week. So I'm hoping that I'll be able to do one next week as well. I'll have all the equipment. I mean, it'll probably be just an audio only, but I'm actually going to go hang out on the beach, get an actual relaxation as much as possible. But um, anyways, so got that going on. Happy to be back. I, I missed doing it. And I got a lot of questions about why I didn't do it and if I was okay. Yeah, I was fine. I was just sleeping. Uh, so things, you know, let's kind of run through this stuff. There's some big things to talk about this week. One of them not being that Beam uh, has been renamed. Microsoft has a, a streaming service. If you're not familiar with it, there's Twitch, which is kind of the, the premier platform. Microsoft bought a company called Beam, and it was Beam.pro was the web address. And so they, uh, they renamed them. They renamed them to Mixer. And I actually kind of like the name. Realistically, I think they looked at it and said, hey, Beam.pro is a terrible URL. You need a .com name these days. And so they went out looking around. They found Mixer and said, hey, you know what? That fits the bill. And so they completely rebranded around Mixer. And now Mixer.com is Microsoft's new streaming service. So there is that. Uh, if you saw news or headlines this week or tweets this week that says, hey, Microsoft put out a new Windows XP patch, they did not. Uh, it was, I believe, updating a digital signature, but it was not actually a new patch. People were freaking out saying, hey, they've patched XP twice in a month. Uh, things then, yeah. Uh, no, it, it hasn't been. That It's false flag. Don't, it, nothing. Microsoft also said this week that the creator's update is rolling out on track, which is, um, what does that even mean? <laughs> what, they're not going to come out and say, you guys, uh, we're, we're, we're off the rails with the creator's update. They came out and said, hey, it's on track. Um, maybe they felt the need to write that. I don't, I don't know what the point of the post was, but if you have a device that hasn't gotten it yet, it's rolling out on track. Um, they're being a little bit more aggressive with it, I guess now. It has rolled out to a lot of Microsoft hardware. I know a lot of Surface books have it. The machine I'm podcasting from today, which is kind of a hack together custom build, uh, does not have it. And I'm, I'm intentionally doing that. I'm waiting to see how long it takes this machine to actually get it. I don't really know when that's going to happen. I'm not going to force it, but that's that. Uh, per a third-party source, I believe it's a duplex, they said 18% of Windows 10 devices are now running the creator's update. That's a healthy amount. Um, you know, I, I guess that's good. It's on track, but uh, yeah. So 18%, give or take. Not, you know, it's not a big deal at this point. It's just an update. It's, it's like saying, which patch are you running? Because there's not a ton of new stuff. But anyways, so creator's updates on track, doing all that good stuff. So big news of the week. Well, one of the big news is, news, is, news plural, uh, is that Microsoft announced the Surface Pro. This is great. And so th this is an update to the Surface Pro line, the Pro 4. Obviously, they're not calling it the Pro 5. They're calling it the Pro. And I think this is the correct branding. They're just... 
people are saying they took the Apple approach. Yeah, that's exactly what they did. There's just a MacBook Air and there's a MacBook Pro and that's it. I, I think this makes a lot of sense. There's no reason to give them uh, number iterations and I think that kind of constrains you things because if you call it Surface Pro 5, then it kind of feels like it has to be like a big change. And so calling the Surface Pro 4 refresh feels a little awkward. So calling the Surface Pro Surface Pro, I, I honestly have no issues with that. So uh, a couple things, it's coming June 15th, same as the Surface laptop. It will have all the, uh, the Intel chips you would expect it starts with an M3, which is the current the current uh, Surface Pro 4 does as well. So M3 and i5 are fanless, and then the 7th Gen i7 is also not fanless. Just kidding. Uh, it, it's not going to have... It, it's impossible to put that as fanless. Let's put it that way. I kind of mixed up my verbiage there. So recap, M3, i5, no fans. i7 has a fan. And I do worry about what that's going to do to the i5 because the only way you can control heat are three possible ways. You put uh, copper piping, which it has, you put a fan, and you throttle. And so there are no fans, so I'm guessing that they're going to have to be throttling that i5 depending on the workload. And so I'm hoping that maybe their, their heat pipes are really, really good and efficient. But with no fans in there, it's going to be like, yeah... No, if you're if you're really pounding away in this thing, it's going to get throttled. Uh, good news, though, on the battery life side, Microsoft's saying over 13 hours of battery life. Obviously, we need to put that to the test. That is up dramatically, I believe, nine-ish hours for the Surface Pro 4. So a lot more batteries in there. Uh, no pen in the box, by the way. Microsoft told me uh, privately, it, it wasn't in their blog post, that only 30% of their users are actually using a pen. So that's a decent amount, but it's not obviously the majority. So by them not doing that, I'm guessing that's helping them keep the price down. And so the device starts at $799 and goes up to pretty much whatever you really want to spend on this thing. But it does not come with a type cover. Other key things, they're changing the branding of the Surface Pro line. It used to be the tablet that could replace your laptop. Now they're calling it the most versatile laptop. I think it's because they're kind of realizing that, hey, this tablet thing looks like really good on paper and the iPad did pretty well, but it's not this kind of like overarching complete revolution of the industry like many people were expecting. Tablets certainly have their place. I do not dispute that, but they're, they're really kind of pitching this thing more as a laptop now, which is kind of crazy because it ships without a keyboard. It's a, a versatile laptop without a keyboard. Now, granted, yes, it does have the on-screen keyboard, but that thing is pretty much crap. And uh, some people asking about the pen. Uh, I believe the new pen, which is updated, and so there's two couple two couple two things. Jesus, man, I, you know, I take a week off and I'm stumbling all over the place. A couple things. First off, here's the pen I was looking for. Uh, it doesn't have the little uh, little thing here, so you can't clip it onto stuff like that. That's gone. But it also has twice the sensitivity for pressure sensing. I think it's 4,096 pressure points. Uh, or degrees of pressure that they're calling it. And so it is updated. Uh, it, the pen's not cheap. I believe it's 100 bucks. So it's, it's a pretty significant uh, expense. Now, granted, it does come in a bunch of different fun colors, the same ones that match the Surface Laptop, you have burgundy and cobalt and all that stuff. The Surface, La or Surface Pro, excuse me, does not come in those colors. It comes in the same standard kind of silver magnesium-looking finish, but the type covers do come in the matching colors of your Surface Laptop. So for whatever reason you have a Surface Laptop, you can match it to your Surface Pro with the pen included. Um, and so the question becomes, why do they have this thing, right? They have a Surface Laptop that starts at $999. This thing starts at $799, but if you need a keyboard, then you're looking at a minimum of $129 for the black version. I think it's $159 or $169 for the colored version. And why does this thing exist? Because that puts it basically right in line with the Surface Laptop. So here's, I, I actually think that there is a place for this because there are use cases where you need an actual tablet and the writing experience on the Surface Pro 
like the, the inking experience will be better than the laptop, mostly because it's a tablet. You can actually get in there and the Surface laptop does not fold all the way flat like a Yoga uh, from Lenovo or anything like that. And so for those experiences, it is a better device. If that's what you're looking for to draw on the screen, the Surface Pro is a better option than the Surface laptop. Also, the kickstand on the Surface Pro uh, folds into what they call studio mode. So it's going to look a lot like this when it's fully extended. And that, gives, again, gives you better writing experience. So I think from somebody who wants the pen and wants that kind of input, it's going to be the better device. Personally, I think the Surface Laptop is going to sell a much higher volume than the Surface Pro. Previous to this, Surface Pro was outselling the Surface Book, mostly, I think, because of price. And so here we are. But then that raises the third question of what happens to the Surface Book. I mean, don't get me wrong. This thing, that probably made a lot of noise, is a great laptop. Um, you know, some people don't like the little gap, whatever. You know, that's a minor thing. But what what's the future of this? And so I think there's a couple things we can kind of play out here. I, I honestly think the next Surface Book will not ha will not ship without a version that doesn't have a DGPU. What's the point? If it doesn't have uh, the dual GPU, what's, the, you know, what's, where's it going to go? Uh, yeah. So why, why would you have that model when you could buy a Surface laptop? So what I think they're going to do with the Surface Book, I'm trying to keep all my Surface brands here correct, is that is going to become the ultra premium, ultra high end machine. Imagine that it only comes in a SKU that's above like 2000 or 2500 bucks, dual GPU, and that's it. So you kind of have that whole line of, uh, to compare it to Apple, you kind of have the MacBook Air, which is the Surface Laptop, and the MacBook Pro, which is the Surface Book. And so I think that's going to be it. I, I think the low, the days of a low end priced Surface Book are behind us. And the Surface Book 2, whenever it arrives, I, what I'm hearing is later this year will be a super high-end, super premium, uh, ultra device, I think is where they're going to head with that. But again, Surface Pro coming June 15th, it's a good iterative update. There's nothing crazy about it. There's no USB Type-C, which would have been, can you imagine how awkward that would have been if Microsoft said, hey, hey here's the Surface Pro, it's got USB Type-C. Uh, that Surface Laptop that we just announced, nah, it's, it's not going to have it. Um, it. It's not having it, I... I it still kills me that they're not doing it just because it, 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 the story has been drilled into the ground. Um, I'm not going to circle the drain on that again. But one thing that Intel did announce this week is that they're now going to integrate Thunderbolt 3 into all future CPUs, which means Type-C, uh, USB Type-C Thunderbolt ports are going to become the default. I, I firmly believe that. And Microsoft is probably sitting there saying, hey, this is why we didn't do it because all future ones will have it built in. And we don't need, yeah, uh, that's dumb. So I, I don't buy that argument. But anyways, no Type-C. It's a good iterative. It's a safe update. Microsoft didn't try to do anything crazy. Same Windows Hello stuff. Same cameras. Uh, just a little bit faster. A little bit quieter depending on the model. And it, that's basically it. And a new pen. And, and the updated pen stuff. So one thing that is in this, in this device is a new custom chip that allows you to, uh, it, what Microsoft is saying, it has the fastest inking experience on the market, and the pen now supports Tilt, like the Apple Pencil and some of the Wacom stuff. And so, Microsoft is again pitching this as the best writing experience. It's actually going to be a little bit better than this. Um, you can get the new pen to work on the Studio, which would work well, but you're not going to get that improved performance because uh, as of right now, none of that functionality is enabled on that very expensive device. Granted, that thing launched, what, six months ago? Seven months ago? So that's not a huge surprise. Now, I already looked at the questions for the week, which I do sometimes, and somebody asked, they said, hey, the, uh, when iFixit did a teardown of that thing, they noted that there was an unknown chip. 
So I went back and looked at what iFixit had, and they don't specifically say an unknown chip, but there are some Microsoft-related chips on the thing. People are wondering if those chips enable that improved functionality on the Surface Studio. I don't know. Um, and I, I, I don't know if they are going to do that because that's just one less thing that they can do when a refresh and say, hey, it's that much better. Um, all that good stuff. So anyway, Surface Pro, you can go pre-order it now. It'll arrive, I've said June 15th, I think a million times, but there you go. And that's that's really about the, that stuff. Um, also announced at that event, because remember, this thing took place, this event, Microsoft event, took place in China. Microsoft also announced Windows 10 for the Chinese government. And so if you're not familiar with how, if you want to operate inside of China, how this works is that you have to have a partnership. Microsoft just can't go into China and do everything that they do like in another country. Same with any other company. It's not limited just to tech companies. Um, same with auto industry, everything else. You have to set up a partnership. So Microsoft set up a partnership with uh, a local company, and I'm assuming it's 50-50. And the... the version of Windows 10 for the Chinese government is a little bit different. They can control the encryption so they can use their own encryption. Um, they can remove some of the telemetry stuff. They can also pull out OneDrive. And so this satisfied the government needs and they're going to try to roll that out. China is a massive market for Microsoft. There's nothing more than they want to actually start selling Windows in that environment because they had rampant piracy issues with previous versions of Windows. So now that they have this going on, they're hoping that uh, they can actually get some sales in China, which would be a huge for their bottom line because that's a notoriously difficult market to penetrate so that uh other things xbox game pass is launching june 1st if you're not familiar with that go check it out it's a way you, it's another gaming service that you can pay monthly for but you get access to like i think over a hundred games so it, it's just it's kind of like on-demand rental uh but you pay one monthly fee and as long as you're paying that you can access all these games play them as much as you want if you are uh, an achievement hunter and you, you know you're really trying to rack up that gamer score this is like the holy grail because you can play all these games get all those achievements for one monthly price so um something else i wrote this week that i thought was very interesting it did pretty well on the traffic side so i'm assuming other people did too i think the biggest threat to microsoft's long-term stability and, and i'm talking like long 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 term right microsoft's going to be fine for the foreseeable future or i should say for the near-term future with azure that is not going away windows will be around for a while and then all of their uh infrastructure and enterprise stuff like uh, sharepoint and sql server and windows server all that stuff's going to be around for a while but what I honestly think the biggest threat to Microsoft, and this isn't just a Microsoft, we are approaching in the next decade or maybe two decades, maybe three decades. I don't quite know if I knew then I, I would start, you know, putting my money in certain places to make sure to capitalize on that return. But we're on approaching what I'm referring to as the great reset. And right now, when it comes to new technology and building out infrastructure, Microsoft has a lot of historical precedents, right? They've kind of pioneered a lot of the stuff. They have a lot of patents. They have a lot of control. They really shape the industry around this stuff. When artificial intelligence comes online, and I'm not talking like the AI that they're building into uh, SQL Server or like these kind of niche things where it's isolated and it's a very specific aspect. I'm talking about general broad computing AI where you have a sky computer in your house and you tell it to go start the car and to drive it to the store and then have the robot butler in the store give you 10 pancakes and a, and a thing of syrup and then it drives back home. I'm talking about mass general computing. Uh, what's going to happen, and, and I, I firmly believe this, is that once AI is fully kind of self-aware, it'll be able to write its own code. It'll be able to write its own database structures. And think about that. When, when somebody develops a technology that can say, hey, you know what? I can write 
uh, a coding language that's more efficient than anything any human has ever done. I can write a database structure, uh, relational or unrelational, or whatever the hell you want to call it, that is more efficient and perfect in every conceivable way than any human has ever done. And when that happens, that's the biggest threat to Microsoft, right? If another company can go out and replace SQL, if another company can go out and replace the need for Visual Studio, if another company can go out and replace the need for Windows because uh, their AI built the perfect OS that's perfectly efficient, that's the biggest threat to Microsoft. And I know this is like way looking into the future, but it just kind of popped into my head. And that's that's why all these companies like Google, uh, Microsoft, Facebook, Amazon, IBM are all pursuing this AI stuff because it has a massive disruption potential. And whoever gets it right first is going to be like Microsoft in the 90s. They're going to get to control that narrative. And that's why these companies are pursuing this stuff so heavily because it is the next generation of computing beyond what we already know as the next generation. This is very far looking forward. Um, so I thought that was just, I don't know, this is kind of one of those thoughts where you're like sitting in a treehouse, you're like, hmm, yeah, that's that's the big disruptor. Um, uh, as Joseph Finney points out, he says, AI doesn't fix on-premise hardware. Well, this is gonna be a long thing. And I honestly think to be able to get true AI functionality, you're gonna need a significant infrastructure to manage that compute on the back end, at least initially. And so it's going to be a cloud-based service or whatever you want to call it. But anyways, uh, other things going on. Microsoft has reportedly purchased a cybersecurity firm. I believe they're out of Israel. I forgot to check on that called Hexadite uh, for $100 million. Microsoft hasn't commented on this. This is a large enough purchase where I think that they would actually come out and say, hey, look at this awesome company you bought. Anyways, this company using artificial intelligence, which kind of kicks some of this thought process off, uh, to sort through and address matters uh, of small network attacks uh, for large organizations may experience these. So what this is, is if you're a large company, you get attacked a lot, but there are a lot of small penetrating attacks, right? And not we're not all uh, WannaCrypt type attacks. Um, and so anyways, this company is supposed to help them uh, manage all that stuff. Security, Microsoft will buy up any security company that think that they can integrate in their advanced threat protection because that is the, what they are hoping is going to become their new cash cow. And by all means, it is actually starting to prove its worth. And so if it's security or AI, they're going to get snapped up quickly, if not by Microsoft, by somebody else, by Google or Facebook or all those guys are all buying these companies for a lot of things. And so, um, yeah. Wow. So a lot of people want to know... <laughs> <laughs> I, I I tossed out on Twitter right before this that uh, you know there's a kind of a there's a chance and people are thinking I'm going to talk about some brand new hardware that's just going to revolutionize Microsoft and, and change the world. That, that's not the case. If you're looking for a window piece of Windows Phone hardware that I'm going to talk about in the next 30 seconds that is going to absolutely change the thing and knock off the iPhone, that is absolutely not what I'm talking about. Um, I've talked about this a little bit before, but Microsoft hasn't really fully given up on the mobile strategy, right? They're they're evolving. They're they're dealing with the realities that hey, everybody's got an iPhone or an Android device, and that these things you know never really materialize. Ooh, look at that white balance uh, change there. And so here here it is. And we know that Microsoft is working on Windows on ARM devices, right? This is not a surprise. They're going to come in Q4. Qualcomm said they're coming in Q4. Now, they're only talking about laptops. But I've heard that they're also exploring small form factor tablets and other types of tablets. They're exploring, honestly, they're exploring everything. We know it's coming to server. We know it's coming to laptop. It's going to make its way into all form factors. Windows on ARM is here for real this time. It's the real deal. 
And so let's talk about the scenario that brings Microsoft back into the mobile segment. So you have, let's imagine, let's imagine here, I don't want to call it Surface Mobile. Imagine you have a five inch, what Microsoft is calling a tablet running on ARM. That tablet, because it's running on ARM chip, let's say Snapdragon 835, which we know, uh, natively supports LTE connectivity. So at least in the US and many places around the world, that device out of the box is a phone. It's a phone that is also a PC. So what you can do is you can connect it to your mobile networks. Now, for a while, I've been talking about, gosh, you know what would be really nice? Is it a Verizon or T-Mobile or AT&T? came out with a thing that you just go to the Windows Store, you download an app, you log in, and that device connects to their cell networks. And you now have a data-connected device. Oh, by the way, Surface Pro will have an LTE version out later this year. Uh, Same thing. So you go to the store and you download all that stuff. And here, here's where it gets interesting. This week, T-Mobile announced a new service called Digits. And people are going to be like, oh, God, what is this? So Digits actually is a, and I give T-Mobile credit, and I'm actually thinking about switching to them. I need to check out their coverage because this is very neat. What it allows you to do is it, it, it modernizes the phone number. And it puts the phone number essentially, for lack of better terms, in the cloud. And then you can put that phone number on any device. You pick up your friend's phone and you left your phone at home. You can now make their phone your phone and get all your text messages on there. If you have five phones, you can have your phone number on all five phones without having to do the SIM chips. Now, you see where I'm going with this. Microsoft is working on things that connect to the internet natively through uh, Windows on ARM. They put out a five inch tablet, any one of their company, any any OEM puts out a five inch tablet running on ARM that can connect. You can go to T-Mobile uh, starting May 31st and have that thing become your phone. With the T-Mobile digit stuff, you can actually make your computer right now, your desktop PC, your phone. You can get all your text messages and your phone call. And so this is very, very interesting, folks. I I am highly excited about this. And I hope that Verizon and AT&T get off their ass and are chasing this down too. And so you put all this stuff together, you can go buy anything that's running Windows on ARM and it is your phone. It is a Windows phone again. You'll get the interface, uh, depending on what Microsoft does in the super small mobile space for tablets and that kind of stuff, which I hear that they're doing work on revamping um, some of their, their that small form factor. I, I'm legitimately hearing that they're working on refactoring and reworking some of their small form factor UI. And so it's not hard to imagine having a small little tablet and it's your phone. That's I think that's where the entire market is headed. AT or T-Mobile is there first. Microsoft, don't forget, T-Mobile is in Microsoft's backyard. T-Mobile is based out of the kind of that Seattle area. It would not surprise me if Microsoft went to T-Mobile at one point and said, hey, look, this is where we're headed. This is where the market's headed. Why don't you guys, you know, get there? Like they are literally like um, in each other's backyards. And so I think this is how Microsoft is going to get back into this stuff because they don't have to go out and build a Lumia. They just build a small tablet and say, hey, look, it's a thing. And if you want to connect it to a cell network, T-Mobile will let you do that right now. And I would imagine Verizon and other companies are pursuing that. But the dream of being able to democratize, God, why did I say that word? That is such a Microsoft word. But democratize where your phone number belongs is a massive innovation. Do not underestimate this. And people are going to write in and say, hey, Google Voice kind of had this. And yes, they're right. And Verizon has a really crappy version of this. I think it's called like One Call or something stupid. Never caught on. Um, But this feature is, I don't want to say it's game-changing, but it's going to disrupt what we consider a a phone. 
And so by turning your desktop PC into your phone number, because we're so tied to these single phone numbers, which I get, and that's very hard to change. So what T-Mobile did was rather than change the phone number, they changed the infrastructure for the phone number so they can put it anywhere, which is a very smart move. So um, is this going to bring Windows Phone market share back to 90% or something crazy? Like, absolutely not. But what it's going to allow people to do is people that don't want to run an iPhone or an Android, it's going to give them an option. And don't get me wrong, these progressive web apps, the, the whole story is starting to come together. Twitter has a fantastic progressive web app. So the app story, if developers start going to progressive web apps, which I believe they will because it makes more sense because you can write once for the browser and literally run it on any platform. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. It solves the app problem, but it's not going to be something that happens overnight. But this is something that I think is going to be Microsoft's best shot at revitalizing that mobile computing scenario that they completely missed out on. And I don't think it's impossible either. I, I'm getting kind of excited about this because I want this to work because a small form factor Microsoft device would work great for me. I mean, I've got Microsoft crap all over. That's going to solve the missing piece. So that's where I think that they're headed with this stuff. I think it's, we're starting to see the, the kind of fruits of that strategy materialize. T-Mobile being kind of the leading front. And don't get me wrong, Microsoft has done stuff with T-Mobile in the past with the, uh, I think it was the Lumia 640 and 640 XL. I want to say they were first available on T-Mobile. So this isn't unprecedented. And uh, now we just kind of got to wait and see when those small form factor ARM devices, which should be coming, uh, materialize. It may not be until next year would be my guess, but I think that's the strategy they are going to take and uh, the, the back-end technology to make it all work outside of the Microsoft ecosystem is finally there. So it's good stuff. I, I'm really, really pumped and I'm hoping that this is going to work out. So we're going to dive right into the questions. A lot of good questions this week. Uh, so, and, and Robbie, I kind of jumped because you, your question required some research. He was the one that asked about the iFixit found a mysterious chip inside the Surface Studio. I wanted to know if that was the same one inside the Surface Pro. Unfortunately, we don't know. And I'm hope I love it for Microsoft to come out and say, hey, look, we thought that far ahead, but that's that's really far ahead. I mean, that's seven, eight months. Not to mention the lead time it would take for them to actually build that into the studio would have to be well over a year, if not longer, to try to line all that stuff up. But um, it's a good thought process. Tourniquet asks, he says, as we learned from a German site this week, and so I am, I'm not familiar with this, it seems Microsoft is now promoting Windows 10 Mobile privately to business customers. Some of its partners even got a roadmap showing a device with Redstone 4 release. I actually need to look into this. Uh, do you have any more insight? Unfortunately, no, I don't. Um, he said, we also heard Walking Cat saying that for signs of Andromeda and RS3. What exactly is that? So I there's a lot of things. Um, Seashell, and I hinted about this, and I need to... I'm afraid to say what I know because it might be wrong, and I, I don't like to be wrong, but um, Seashell is is part of that re revitalization effort for the small form factor mobile displays, and so I, that's what I know for now is that's that UI work. It's extremely experimental right now, it, like very early days that they are changing up some of the UI components for those small form factor devices. And so I know Microsoft is talking to business customers because they've even promised another update for business users, which is likely related to the Elite X3. Microsoft is trying to figure out how to appease those customers because that's where the money's going to be made. It's not with the consumer. Um, we need to wait and, and let this see. Redstone 4 should be, uh, let's see, in the spring. So we're, give or take, about a year away from Redstone 4. A lot of things change between now and then. A lot of, a lot of things. 
So, uh, need to keep looking into this Andromeda. That's good stuff. Appreciate the question. Do Quantum Fro says, okay, two questions. When do you think we'll see the first Windows 10 on ARM device? Uh, Q4. Qualcomm, the, the chip supplier of this stuff, already said on their earnings call, it's going to be Q4. It's going to be a holiday holiday experience type stuff. Uh, question two is, where do you think Microsoft will take Windows 10 S if it's successful? In particular, will Microsoft remove legacy software and uh, Windows no longer leads? Also, will they ever get uh, give it away to OEM? So I've kind of talked about this a little bit. Where Windows 10 S is headed, I firmly believe that Windows 10 home is going to go away it's going to be replaced by windows 10 s and they'll just call it windows and then there'll be windows uh windows pro and then windows enterprise i think that's the absolute direction the market is headed and it's easy it's an easy problem to solve you're like well what do you do with the home people how do you support them just knock them all up to windows 10 pro for free who cares at this point it's not they're never going to upgrade anyways give them windows 10 pro make windows 10 s windows 10 uh home or just make it Windows 10 S becomes just the default, right? It's just Windows, Windows apps and all that stuff. And that's the basic. Uh, Mr. PKI asks, he says, I'd like to know your opinion on Windows 10 telemetry. Is it a fake news story? So I, I'd highly recommend you tune into the podcast I'm going to do later today because Paul and I are going to talk about this a little bit. But anyways, I sort of lost my mind uh, like 48 hours ago because I got like five, it ended up being like five emails about Windows 10 telemetry. And here's the thing. Um, I don't care. I don't care. I don't, I don't care about this telemetry stuff. I cannot, could not care any less about it. Everybody and everything is tracking you. Microsoft at least has a privacy policy in place saying what they're doing with their data. They're not giving it to third parties. They're using it to make stuff better. Um, and that's the way of internet-connected software. If something you are using is connected to the internet, it is being monitored, hopefully anonymously, and that's the end of that story. You're... You, you can't get over, away from that. It's for the better. Uh, if you're really worried that Microsoft is seeing that you've been on mylittlepony.com for 10 hours on Tuesday, uh, well, stop using Chrome, stop using Edge, stop using Firefox, stop using every browser, stop connecting to the internet because everything you connect to the internet is tracking you and there's nothing you can do. And the argument is, is like, well, just because everyone else is doing it, Microsoft shouldn't. Microsoft isn't doing it for the intentions of selling. They're doing it with the intentions of hopefully making their product better. But... Uh, that's kind of, yeah, yep, yep, yep. I, I, I think it's a non-story. I, I really do. Um, let me explain why. If it came out that Microsoft was diligently tracking you, like tracking you down to the detail where they know everything about the individual person, that would be a disastrous story for the entire company. Like they would lose so much business over this that it, they would lose far more money than they would ever stand to make from tracking at that level. Microsoft sells to the enterprise who is more concerned about security than you are. And if it found out that they could track them and work backwards and basically steal all their data and all that kind of stuff, that would be, that would cripple Microsoft and they would fold extremely quickly. They're not going to do it. Uh, Kadupa asks, he says, sorry for the long line of questions. He says, what if Google figures out enterprise faster than Microsoft can respond? This is a very fair argument. Uh, Google has done well in their cloud. I mean, it's building up. It's not the size of Azure and it's not even close to the size of um, Amazon. But you know what? They are moving in the space. The thing that Microsoft has is, again, is this legacy support. They've got the infrastructure. They've got the brand name. They've got the, the well-known features. They've got a massive head start. Google's got to catch up. 
Google, if Google really wants to beat Microsoft, they have to come up with something new and different and I hate to use the word innovative, but it has to be something so dramatically different that it can't be replicated on Azure or AWS. That's going to be their magic sauce. Competing on price is going to be extremely difficult. Microsoft and Amazon, I, I keep meaning to like document this more diligent, but it seems like every other month, uh, one, like every month, one of them is announcing it. And, you know, it's like Microsoft has announced, well, announced six price cuts this year and Amazon will do six as well on alternating months. So p competing on price isn't a true differentiator in the cloud. That's a very bad place to try to, to make your niche. And so what Google's got to do is they've got to come out with some technology. Uh, they had Kubernetes for a little bit, but then Microsoft bought some stuff. And so they, they need something that truly differentiates themselves from Azure and AWS to figure out, and to figure out enterprise faster than Microsoft. That's going to be a very tough thing. Uh, why can't Microsoft crack the consumer market? Because they don't care. No, it, that's probably, that's honestly probably not fair. That's probably too harsh of a critique. It's, they have it always struggled with the consumer market. This isn't something that is like new this week. It's because they have a business first focus. It, they really do. And because they're, they're catering to that market, um, their consumer services have, have dragged down. If Microsoft truly wanted to penetrate the consumer market, they would go buy Spotify. Spotify is by far probably the best uh, music streaming service. And... If they wanted to get in there, they could dump Groove, go buy Spotify. Uh, they could go buy Fitbit and get into the fitness tracking market. They could go buy a bunch of different companies and acquire that market share. The thing is, is that there's not a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of money to be made there, but there's not a lot of money compared to the enterprise. And so when things like margins come into perspective, that's why they don't put a whole lot of effort. I shouldn't say put a whole lot of effort. That's again, not fair. They do put a lot of effort, but they just don't do it very well. I mean, their Surface Book and Surface Line has done very well. Xbox is a very rare example inside of Microsoft that has done extremely well, but you look at things like Band, uh, you look at things like Zune, you look at things even like MSN a little bit, just haven't done very well. They're just not great at getting connecting. And I think it again goes back to that that question of Microsoft is a 90% company in the consumer market. They get 90% of the way there and then they kind of give up on that last 10%. So, uh, the last question is why are they taking so long to bring from Kadupa? Last question he says, why are they taking so long to bring ambient computing with Cortana to market? Lord only knows at this point. This is, this is tragic. This is going to be another Windows Phone story, and I honestly kind of believe that. They're too late. They, they had this technology years, well, I don't know about years, but they had a good, good jump on this market. And it took them too long. Amazon is eating their market share. Uh, Google Home is actually doing very impressive things in this segment. I think Google Home uh, is probably the better product than Amazon Echo right now. The thing was that Echo had that first mover's advantage and a good price point, and so it's everywhere. Although I do worry about Amazon's ability to keep innovating because they're not that's not their strength, right? They're uh, a cloud platform and a retailer, not so much an R&D shop. I mean, look at their Fire Phone. It was a complete disaster. And so I, I don't know why Microsoft is taking too long, but this is their Achilles heel. They have good ideas, but they can't get them uh, distributed in enough time. Uh, Poncelius, I believe is how you pronounce this, does the global release of Service Pro that Microsoft discovered the world outside the USA? Uh, will other products like Cortana be available? So uh, Microsoft has done a better job launching things worldwide. I think the Surface Laptop is relatively available outside the US as well, Surface Pro. Uh, they just announced that the Surface Studio back there is going to other markets. So they've done a better job with that type of releases. Why the software is taking so long to materialize in other regions, I don't know. 
But this is, again, them shooting themselves in the foot. Maybe they really only care about English, but even that, there's English-speaking countries that don't really have uh, full access to Cortana, or even Bing, for that matter. I don't know. This is I, I've wondered this question for years, and Microsoft has never given a good answer about it. Uh, G.J. Smith, Smith asks, he says, Tech analyst Jan Donson noted that, that on Twitter, the fault creators update was not the first choice or name for the next version. He suggests it was changed at the very last minute from the preferred name, likely based on advice from legal. Uh, this was based on a pre-build briefings with M from Microsoft executive. He says, any insider tip or leaks or what the preferred name to be? So this is interesting. I actually know a couple of people possibly who to ask that might be able to give some insider info. I will look into this. I don't know. Here's the thing with marketing. Microsoft can change a name right up until the minute before it ships. Once, right, they're just names on a PowerPoint deck and some marketing material. They can be changed at any second. And so I don't like, personally like the fall creators update uh, name. And so that does bring some logic into maybe they did change it last minute. I did not hear anything else. I don't, I, I, I'm very careful about what I poke around on the marketing side because it, it's so fluid. It's not like a surface book, right? That is once this design is finalized and goes to manufacturing, it's not going to change. Marketing is just uh, PNG files and P and, uh, I was going to say Photoshop files. That's it. Like, it's very fluid to change that stuff. So it wouldn't might surprise me if they went through several names right before they shipped it. But unfortunately, I haven't heard anything specifically, but I'll be very curious to see. And then we got Spartan Fan. He says, ideally, the new Surface Pro and Surface Laptop would have supported USB uh, Thunderbolt 3. But my question is, do you think no USB-C is better than a limited option than some manufacturers did? I believe uh, that some Dells only support two PCI lanes and uh, four in the instead of four and the Huawei MacBook or mate MacBook. That's a funny pun or funny uh, slip of the tongue. MateBook E is basically just USB three type one with the USB connector. And so I, I agree, I agree with the premise. It's that you need to be all in. Uh, it needs to be USB type C slash Thunderbolt three. It needs to be a combined port. And I, I think the reason they didn't do this is there are, public facing argument is that hey we've got the surface blade connector we've already got a bunch of peripherals out there um and we're supporting that demographic which doesn't make sense because at some point they will switch it's like oh you're not supporting a previous demographic anymore no what they should have done is just put one port in there i there's a bigger story here and i think i wonder if it's microsoft didn't want to push the boundaries because they needed to leave that that wiggle room for their oem partners to allow them to say hey if you really want usb type c go buy a dell or an hp or an asus or an acer uh, type scenario, but, um, uh, so yeah, yep, 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 yep. Those are the end of the questions. Somebody giving a, it's hard to follow cause there's a lot of things. So when people sent me some DMS, uh, there's the chat room going on. Um, but as Todd points out, I, and I think most people agree, it would have been ideal to have a surface laptop surface pro with one type C and one type A. That would have been um, a good happy medium. It's not perfect, but it, it kind of solves that problem. And other manufacturers are doing that. So anyways, anyways, that's that's kind of what's been going on this week. There's uh, the next few weeks are going to be a little bit crazy one because I'm traveling. So in the Microsoft world, we have the Scorpio announcements. E3 is coming up. That's going to be a lot of stuff. And I am hands down my, like I'm very excited for this fall because I'm going to buy a Scorpio and I'm going to buy Destiny 2 and that's going to be a good six to eight months worth of entertainment for me 
Um, yeah, so we got the Scorpio coming up. Uh, Apple's conference is also coming up. So we got WWDC. It's not next week. I think it's the week after, June 5th, around that. So you've got that stuff going on, uh, which obviously impacts Microsoft. Obviously, it's not Microsoft's announcement, but those things are always fun to watch to see their take on it. And so uh, we're kind of winding down like the tech mega cycle because we had, we had Google I.O., which was fun and fun to watch to see what they're doing. We had Build, which was fun to attend and see what was going on. And then we have Apple's coming up and then we have E3. And so, uh, yeah, still some good stuff ahead. Still some good stuff ahead. And I think we're going to start to see a lot more fun stuff from Microsoft. Also, fun fact, uh, if you're looking for an insider build this week, Microsoft said that they're, uh, they had a show-stopping bug. So no build this week, which I'm kind of hoping means that they put a lot of stuff in it. That's what I'm really hoping here is that they put a lot of stuff in it and that the next release of the insider stuff is going to show off a lot of what we saw at build with Redstone 3. So... Um, good stuff all around guys as always i'm going to shut it down here thanks for watching have yourselves a wonderful weekend i am going to be on vacation next week i'm definitely going to be around though i i can't truly disconnect from uh this crazy stuff and so uh be on the lookout for that if not have if nothing else have a wonderful weekend guys and i'll catch you next time